0: Welcome, everyone, to Episode 7 of From the Stands. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, Today's guest is Canadian Olympian Sarah Wells, who also was a contestant on the Amazing Race Canada last season. So as soon as Sarah gets on, we will be able to have her join in and start chatting. Uh, Before we do that, though, we would like to uh, thank our sponsor of each episode and of our artwork, Matthew DeCastro and Matt Creative for their work. If you do need any work done um, for design purposes or anything like that, please let us know and we will connect the two of you together. So as soon as Sarah joins us, we will get things rolling. Hope everyone is staying safe and Is enjoying the nice weather that we are finally starting to have. Um, Also, to make sure to follow us on YouTube as well as Spotify. Um, As the episodes come out, they will be posted online for everyone to see. So, as soon as Sarah joins us, it looks like she has joined the chat. So, as soon as she joins uh, or sends a request, then we will be able to start rolling and get going. Let's see if I can actually just send her. I can send her one. Connecting. There we go.
1: Hi. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I like... You have doors join the warm weather, right? I know. I'm living good. I was just finishing a rowing workout. Can you see my erg out there? Nice, nice. So this is perfect. I'm going to cool down in this this lovely life chat we get to have. Awesome. I don't know how to fit into the screen here. There we go. <laughs> no, you're
0: good. You're good. So, uh, yeah, thanks for joining me. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. I have been making some random goals for myself to keep active. Obviously, like everyone these days is like, there's no structure, there's no gyms, there's no anything. And like, so I just keep setting. Last month, I did uh, run 100K and row 100K in 30 days. And this month, I've decided some way crazier because I asked my Instagram community. I was like, who someone give me a challenge? Like, what should I do? And then I pretty much mashed them all together and tried to make one. So I'm doing 3,000 burpees in 30 days, 125K of – it can be running or rowing. Like, I'll just pick which day I want to do. Um, I apologize for the thing. That wasn't happening before. Is that okay? <laughs> I can't even hear it, so you're good. Oh, great, great, great. Someone's, like, building a something. Who knows? Um, 3,000 burpees, 125K, uh, 5,000 kettlebell swings. um, what am I doing? A thousand step ups with a forty pound weighted vest, a thousand um, burpees or no, not burpees, um, slams, and I forget a uh, hundred minutes of core or something. That doesn't sound long enough, but whatever. Anyways, it's it's terrible. It's a, okay. I was, should have never committed myself to that.
0: We're going to have to test you to see if you're a human. <laughs> that does not sound something that
1: a human would do. I know it's like, but now
0: twenty five days. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah crazy. I know it's only it's like an hour and a half hour 45 to like get in like your chunk that you need to and I'm only working out five days a week so that's also why it takes like almost two hours is because <laughs> <laughs> well I mean like it's not every day like I'm committing to rest days because we all need rest so I want that to be known to the world anyone who's like you know gonna be as crazy as me know that you shouldn't you should include rest days. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, oh my God, jeez. I mean, I just got my bike fixed, and I'm like, oh, I'll go out a couple days a week,
1: but uh, right, right.
0: Um, well, thank you for joining the the show and and me today. We're really excited to have you. Um, the first question I had for you is, how did you want to become a hurdler? Like what was your passion like towards hurdling versus any other athletic um, sport or yeah. so
1: I share this in my keynote presentations all the time, so I'm sure people that are on here who have seen this, you probably already know this story, anyone on the Instagram world. Um, But I actually suck at sports. I know that's hilarious to say as an Olympic athlete, but I suck at sports. I showed up to high school. I tried out for basketball, volleyball, badminton, field hockey, soccer, like you name it, I tried out and I got cut from every single team. And so I was like, oh, I'm just not athletic, I guess. And then I had a high school teacher see me in gym class and he was like, you sh-, and his name's Dave Hunt. Shout out, Dave. You're amazing. Um, he was my my high school teacher and my coach. And he was like, you should try for the track team and track and field doesn't make cuts. So I was like, cool, I'll make that team. And so I went out there, found hurdles, happened to be kind of good. And eight months later, training with that high school teacher, we ended up making my very first national team. I went to the World Youth Games in Marrakesh, Morocco. And then that high school teacher and I stayed coach-athlete for the next nine years until we made the Olympics together, which is pretty unheard of for most uh, coach-athlete relationship. You'll often stay with your same high school coach. So that was a a really novel and, like, unique experience.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, like you said, like, you usually go from one coach to another based off, like, high school, college, and then extra, right?
1: Right, right.
0: Um, Now, when you uh, started out competing, you started at U of T um how did you want to or like what made you kind of have that idea that you wanted to reach the next level and reach the olympics
1: so i honestly because i was so crappy at sports i never expected that I, i never had i was never the kid who grew up and said i want to become an olympic athlete but um i knew i had you know some success in the sport and so I wanted to keep pushing the boundaries, like, okay, well, what else can I do? And what else can I do? And eventually in 2008, um, I had a training partner, his name is Massimo Bertaki and he's a decathlete. And in my brain to become an Olympic athlete, I thought you have to be like, you have to have the perfect season. You can't get injured and everything has to go right. And like, you know, everything has to be perfect. And then I actually saw this training partner, Massimo, I saw him have bad days and rough workouts and losing some races that he shouldn't have, but then pull himself back up. And then he made the Olympic games in 2008. And so suddenly I was like, Oh, you don't have to be perfect. I saw this guy train day in day out and it really inspired me. And like, he became like a source of inspiration of showing me what's possible. And so really only four years before the Olympics did I say, Oh, I could do that.
0: (laughs) Now, you've reached the Olympics, um, but you've also been part of the, you were, uh, you competed at the 2015 uh, Pan American Games in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, you ended up placing second with the silver. So, first off, huge yeah. congrats to you for that. <laughs> amazing Thank opinion, you. Amazing accomplishment. Thank um, you. What was it like for you to, like, work so hard um, and reach that level, but then also place at the podium?
1: It was so surreal because the Pan Am Games were hosted in Toronto, which is where I'm from. And that was amazing because I had family and friends and people in the stands that I didn't know was going to be there. Like they happened to just buy tickets. There's high school friends that I hadn't spoke to or had no idea. And then I was doing my victory lap with the flag behind my shoulders and like Sarah, I'm like, Oh, Hey. (laughs) And so, so random, but so amazing. And I, I, it was, it was my first really big international uh medal in the four hundred meter hurdles specifically. I had won international medals in the relay before, but never in the four hundred meter hurdles. Um funny story, because I actually got fourth at the World University Games and uh later found out just last year, maybe a year and a half ago, that the girl who got third, or maybe who won, Somewhere in the medal rankings, they were doping. So I should have got a bronze medal. Devastation. But um, (laughs) I know, really huge bummer. But anyways, all this to say, in Pan Am Games, I got to win my very first international medal. And I got to do that on home soil. And so when someone threw me the flag and I'm like running my victory lap and I'm seeing, like, I know where my family's sitting. And I get to run back to them and, like, blow them kisses and, like, you know... Be with like wrapped up in this flag and enjoy this moment and celebrate with people that have been there through this whole journey and like really enabled me to make it possible. It was just so so special and I actually didn't make it all the way around the track though because you in the 400 meter hurdles, as I'm sure many people might know from ever trying to run a big lap around the track, it's miserable and painful (laughs) and quite lactic. And so I as I got a hundred meters into my victory lap, I was like, Oh God, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> so then I had to like quickly scurry back to the finish line and then hide in a corner away from like all the media tent stuff. And just like for the next 20 minutes, was, uh, my lunch geez. was gone because <laughs> it's just just it a lot of lactic acid.
0: <laughs> well, Hey, at the end of the day, it's better to do an offsite than in front of
1: yeah, uh, right. people. Right? Totally. So, totally.
0: Um, so, Every Olympian, whether, not even every Olympian, every athlete, whether you're playing in minor, minor sports, major sports, uh, Olympic sports, et cetera, you always face challenges throughout your career, whether that's um, mental challenges, physical challenges, things like that. What was the biggest challenge for you um, growing through your career as a hurdler?
1: So my like signature story, I'll call it, uh, is the year before the 2012 Olympics, as I said, I in 2008, I was like, okay, I want to make the games, and so I was really like gung ho from that point forward. And I had kind of told everyone, this is my dream, this is my goal. And uh, the year before, I was at a training camp, and I ended up feeling this like super weird, searing pain at my leg. And I was hoping it was something small because I had never touched the Olympic standard before. And so I knew I needed every day, every week, every month to train for this goal. And when I felt this pain, I was like, oh god. I eventually found out that I had developed a stress fracture in my femur. And so a stress fracture is a deterioration of your bone from the inside out. It leads to a crack and your femur is your massive thigh bone, like the biggest bone in your entire body. And so I'm like, Oh God, the biggest bone in my body is breaking in half the year before the Olympics. I don't have time for this. And I I freaked out and I asked the doctor, like, how long do I have to sit out for? And he was like, you have to sit out for three months and already three months was going to be way too long. And I needed like, you know, to get my head around this and and it was just this epic roller coaster ride of feeling like I had moments of inspiration, like, okay, maybe this is possible. And then I would just question my self-worth and consider giving up and like want to stop telling people that this was my goal. And after making it through those three months, I went back to the doctor, like super excited, like, okay, well at least, you know, I can get back on the track now. Let's do this. And he's like, no, sorry, come back in another month. It's not healed. I was like, dude, I can't handle that. And um, that fourth month ended up turning into five, six, seven, eight, nine months. Oh God. So nine months the year before the Olympics, I'm sitting around and eventually by the time I get back, I have six months to get back to who I was before the injury. And then I still had to improve an entire second on my personal best in order to hit Olympic standard. And so everyone told me that was going to be impossible. But on my first day back to training um, with that six month window on that first day back, I got the word believe tattooed onto my wrist. And I <laughs> said, when I make the Olympic Games, I'm going to put the Olympic rings underneath here. And super bold move. Don't suggest everyone tattoo themselves of their goals. I tell everyone that every time because I'm like, oh, God, this is what I'm teaching people. But um, because I often just tell people, like, find your word or phrase or quote or thing. Um, and mine was belief. And so then I got the like six months later through step by step, inch by inch. Um, I win Olympic trials. I go to the Olympic Games. I finish as an Olympic semifinalist. And then I come home and I finish the tattoo. And I put the Olympic rings underneath the believe exactly where I said I would. Um, And I'm like, holy moly, believing in yourself works. (laughs) Like, why doesn't anyone tell you that? Um, Or if they do, you think in high school, you think, oh, yeah, yeah,
0: everyone says that, right?
1: Right, exactly. We let it, like, go in and instantly leave. And so um, I've now made it a bit of, like, my mission to travel across North America and teach the importance of being resilient and the power of believing in yourself. and so it's been interesting to see how the biggest like most devastating moment of what i thought was my career i mean one didn't end up happening to be the most devastating but that's a whole other thing um and then two it's now inspired this next chapter where i'm so fulfilled by what i'm getting to do outside of sport in inspiring people to be more resilient and you know how topical right now
0: (laughs) yeah and actually let's get into that um so you actually started to Initiative, uh, surprise, surprise, called the Believe Initiative, which to um, Do you want to actually talk a little bit about that and what you do with that initiative?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So, the Believe Initiative is an organization I founded after I made the Olympics in 2012, but there's a whole dramatic story that exists in uh, 2016, four years later. I had now been like top of my game. I was ready to like go to the Olympics again. I wanted to like be in that Olympic final, you know, who knows, maybe win a medal. And then I ended up missing qualifying by half a second because I tore my hamstring just before. And so that was super devastating. And I felt like, how does Sarah Wells, the Olympian, not make the Olympics? And in that year off of stepping away from the sport for a moment, I was like, you know what? I actually believe in myself more strongly after not making the Olympics, even more so than when I did, because I was still willing to stand on the start line and go for it anyways. And so you don't build self belief through achievements, you build it through action. And so this organization now, helps people take a passion they have and a problem they want to solve, and they use that passion to solve that problem and build self-belief through action. And so we've done this with over 100,000 students all across North America. Just before coronavirus happened, we just did a 20-stop cross-country tour uh, at schools all over Canada where we sparked this passion project idea. And it's it's a three-part program. We come in, we do this epic inspiration um, like summit day kick it off, help them connect their passion to a problem. Then uh, we actually equip the teachers with curriculum that helps them bring the students from the idea to that actually delivering the projects. And then the Believe Initiative comes back to every single school and we celebrate the projects at an inspiration fair where they showcase what they did, what was the impact and how did it help them believe in themselves. And so if anyone wants to find out more, you can go to believeinitiative.com. It's a lot of vowels, be careful. Um, but um, it's all on there, and you can see the amazing project students do. It's like silly awesome.
0: <laughs> and we we actually have. Uh, I've been kind of looking at the people that have been joining. We actually have some students that have been able to meet you, and some schools that um, have been that you've gone to. Amazing. Um, one of the uh, the next questions leading into that is: out of all the schools you've been to, and out of all the students that you've met, is there like one? I know this may be hard to peg down, but one (laughs) inspirational story that you can share from, like, that you've kind of experienced going through all of this?
1: Yeah, actually, one just popped into my brain that I I think is really powerful. Um, A student who we went to their high school and, or sorry, it was like actually, the student was in grade eight and they were applying for, I mean, they're in grade 12. Anyways, they're at a transition point, <laughs> right when they're about to like m- move one of their schools. And they had applied for this program that they, or they had thought about applying for this program that they could, they thought they could never get into. And so they had like printed the application, but were like, mm, it's probably not for me. I'll never get in. And we went to the school and we kicked off and we talked about that voice of self doubt and how can you overcome that? And what are the tools you can equip yourself with? Why it's important to get back up in moments when you do feel defeated and deflated or why it's important and what self-belief really is, is standing on that start line, regardless of knowing the outcome. And and we had, I guess like she really heard us. And so she went home that day and she wrote me a message and she's like, you know, I, t- before today, I did not consider myself like ever having a shot at that program. And so I had printed the application but I didn't want to send it in. But after today, I just wanted to let you know, I filled it out, put it in an envelope and I just dropped it off in the mailbox. like oh my god (laughs) and so that's the power of the program it's just like helping people uncover what's possible for them because if you think back to it like that high school teacher who told me you should do track and field like he was that person for me he believed in me before i would ever believe in myself and now the believe initiative can be that person for as many people as possible
0: now this might be like a a two-part question because you clearly uh give a lot of credit to your high school coach, which rightfully so awesome to him, because other, if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be where you are today. Certainly. Uh, outside of him, who else in your life is someone like you inspire so many people through the believe initiative and who's someone that inspires you in your personal life? Obviously, number one's your coach.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: One of them in the top three. But yeah. Who would be someone else?
1: So I'm going to kind of group them all together. Three people. um, My siblings. I have the most amazing siblings ever. I'm sure everyone thinks that about their own siblings, but I have been really fortunate that they have been at like every major competition I've had. They're always there for me. They've supported me in a thousand different ways and helping me achieve my goals. They were in the stands at the Olympic games. And we have this incredible moment of once I qualified for not just the heats, but then made it through the second round to the semifinals. And when that happened and it like dramatically like puts your name up, like, up on the board, this group of, like, people dressed in red in the 80,000-person stadium, like, stands up, and I'm like, okay, and they cheer so loudly that I'm like, I must know those people. And so I just point, like, this, and the photographer caught that moment, exactly. And they have just been, like I said, like, the most incredible supports and sources of encouragement and inspiration um, from forever. Like, I'm my eldest sister, she went away um after high school, and she did a program where you help out a family and become like a third parent for a source of income um down in South America. And when she came back, she just really understood the importance of family and community. And so she implemented these things called siblings days, and she would bring my there's four of us total, and she's eight years older than I am. And so when I'm ten years old, my eighteen year old sister wants to hang out with me, and I think it's the best day ever. and so all four of us would go and do these siblings' days without my parents, you know, month over month, and we became so close, and because my elder sisters treated me like that, I would treat my brother like that, and so we just remained so close. All through university, we had Sunday family dinners, with or without my parents, like we were, and so that is my biggest source of inspiration.
0: That's awesome. That's really incredible, yeah, because, like, sources of inspiration can come really from anywhere, so um, to stem from your own family, that's truly incredible. I'm lucky. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, going from the track to the TV, I uh, yeah. you know, the TV reality star in Canada as well, um, especially to the ones that have watched Amazing Race Canada.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, first off, again, congrats for placing third in that race, because that looked like one hell of a race with
1: everyone. We got second.
0: Sorry, sorry, you're correct.
1: already <laughs> you knocking us down a notch. No, no, no. Um... <laughs>
0: No, no. Uh, you know what? I, it's funny because like I I actually went through tonight. It was like yeah. I, I double checked. Like, wait, did they come second or third? And I saw second. I said third. Don't know. <laughs> anyway,
1: it's all good. Uh, it's all good.
0: So, yeah. So out of everything that you did with that, what was the experience? You, experience? You, oh, sorry, experience like competing in the Amazing Race, um, and just like competing against other um, like. Uh, not couples, but, like, other pairs through mm-hmm. from partner all current, mm-hmm. and bit more so visiting places that you've never been to before?
1: It was it was really cool. I mean, one, I, ne- I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like, uh, my, my partner on the show was Sam Effa, and he's uh, another track uh, training partner friend of mine, and um, neither one of us, I think, really understood. We, we are used to living under, like, pressure and stress and strain, and, you know, that's our lives as athletes, but then we are also well-fed and you sleep, you know, you try to taper off, like you are so primed and ready to go for your big moment that that stress and pressure, you, you have so many tools to deal with it versus in the amazing race, like you're up at random hours of the day. You're not really getting much sleep. You're running like scurrying place to place, challenge to challenge. Like it's stress and chaos constantly. And that's just a whole new level. And so you're not equipped with this. It's not the same at all. Um, And that was really interesting. In terms of going to a bunch of different places we'd never been, we, our season, largely most of the time, it's all over the world. Our season stayed just in Canada, which was a little bit sad for us. We were very disappointed to find that out. We love Canada, but both Sam and I have been fortunate to travel all over North America for trek, and even in, you know, even many parts of the world. And so we were really hoping to go to, like, some other novel, unique places. still loved being all over Canada, and we got to do some really cool stuff, like, we went into a mine that was a kilometer under the ground, which like, it was like, if anyone watches Hunger Games or loves Hunger Games, reads Hunger Games, it's, it was like District 12. Like there was all these tunnels and like, it was just like insane to see this like village under there, um, in Saskatchewan. And so that was a really cool, uh, thing we got to do that we would have never done if we weren't on the race, um. We bungee jumped off a 150-foot cliff. I had to swim under three feet of ice in the Northwest Territories. That was crazy. Um, so very unique experience. So happy I did it. It's stories for a lifetime and certainly incredible speech content.
0: <laughs> Definitely. And it's actually funny because uh, Sam actually just joined us uh, watching the video um, as What's well. Up, Sam? I really wish that Instagram would let us have three people because it would really be cool to get his take on it as well.
1: Oh, I'm sure he'll do a live with you. I volunteer. Sorry, Sam, I shouldn't have done that. Um, maybe maybe he'll, he'll chat with you another time. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's going to be a message. We'll get you out of here. But, yeah, yeah, right. No, it was, it was just really cool to see you compete. Um, and that's actually how I learned about the Believe Initiative uh, right off the hop, because when you started promoting it during the show, it's like, this sounds really cool, because I'm in the same kind of line of work with leadership and everything. And uh, it was really just neat to kind of find out more about it and have that opportunity to do so.
1: Right. Well, thanks for following up and finding it.
0: <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, before we let you go, um, because it looks like you're going to go for a 100-kilometer run uh, <laughs> to get those those clicks in. Um,
1: I know. I got my to-do list.
0: <laughs> what would be one message you would like to share with everyone that is watching?
1: Um, I mean, it, true and true with my brand is the how important it is to believe in yourself. And Um, I I've said this on a handful of of different lives and I say it at the end of every single keynote, because I believe in this message so strongly is that, and it's very relevant for what's happening right now with, with coronavirus and all the things that have, you know, suddenly just disappeared. What felt like overnight and that's that hard work, unfortunately, doesn't always lead to success. You could have, you know, committed to your grades and like you were ready for like the grade 12 year of your life or you had the biggest deal on the table at work and like you put in everything and suddenly it evaporates. And so hard work unfortunately isn't always going to lead to success, but being resilient and having an unwavering belief in yourself will always lead to another opportunity for success. And that is my like golden nugget like I said I end every single keynote with it because I believe it is so so powerful.
0: That's awesome. And that's literally no other or better way to uh, end this. So thank you so much.
1: Um, of course.
0: For us today and being on the show. Um, good luck with your crazy, crazy um, goal of working out with all these runs. <laughs> <and laughs> runs thank you. Um, and yeah, anyone that's interested, please go to uh, follow Sarah on Believe Initiative. Um, where would they go to follow the Believe Initiative and get more information?
1: They can get more information on Believe Initiative at believeinitiative.com. And then, uh, if not, you can, if you go to, if you follow me here, anyone who's not already, I'm seeing a number of people that I recognize here uh, Kayla, Chad, Vanny, oh yeah, Katie. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, anyways, if you follow me here, Sarah Wells 400mh, you'll see all my Believe Initiative stuff. And then, if not, the website, believeinitiative.com, is also where you can find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time.
1: And of course.
0: Yeah, best of luck with everything.
1: Thanks. Great to see you, Ryan. Thanks, Bye. Man.